This is the Katos Podcast, Food for the Journey. Season 3, Episode 5. How to help people without giving too much of yourself. Hi, I'm Michael and welcome back to the Catalyst Podcast. So in today's episode, I've got something that I think has been a real issue for a lot of people recently. They tell me either overtly exactly these words or they struggle and it's kind of underwriting, you know, what they do. Um, so is, is that you? Are you wanting to help people but you find yourself giving too much sometimes or often, you know, you feel tired and burned out and exhausted by people emotionally as well as physically? Well, hopefully today can help you in ways of understanding how to set people's expectations and your own, um, some ways of thinking about looking after yourself without giving too much of yourself away um, and some practical actions that you can take. So first I'd say, like to say a massive thank you to our sponsor, the Masterclass Sessions. So the next Masterclass Session is on the 12th of May with Joe Foster who created Reebok and he's going to be telling the story of how he went from having nothing to over four billion, I think, pounds or dollars in sales, which is incredible. So if you want to uh, click on the link in the show notes, you can book yourself on. Or even better, if you send me an email to michael at catalyst.co.uk, just say something you enjoy from today's episode. You can be entered into a draw every month and Steve Gaston, the Masterclass Sessions, will gift you a free year's um, membership to the Masterclass Sessions. So you can see 12 speakers online for free if you win our competition. So make sure you click on the link or make sure you send me a quick email. So we give too much, don't we? We care too much. People maybe, they take advantage of us. And we don't want to harden our hearts and be, you know, miserable and not let people in. But, you know, we burn out. We have something called compassion fatigue. We suffer alongside people and it just tires us out. And Bob Marley has a brilliant quote where he says, everybody's going to hurt you. You just have to find the ones that we're suffering for. Now, you can either hear that quote and think it's really depressing. I choose to hear that quote and see it as incredibly liberating and inspiring. And I want to help you with helping, you know, understand a little bit about that. So I'll tell you a bit about my experience. Then I want to give you a metaphor for understanding what does it mean to give too much and how do you actually understand that? Because there's no, you know, you don't have a... a, a, a um, something written down, we can see the numbers going up or down, we're just realising we've hit too much, you know. And then I'll give you five things you can actually do to help manage yourself and others' expectations. So, well, yeah, given too much, well, I definitely did that in teaching, cared so much about the children, right, when I give every day, every child, so much. Here's an example of the figures, if you if you don't teach, you don't know teachers, of how hard teachers are working right now in a normal situation, let alone right now. You know, say in primary or secondary school, you have 30 children, maybe four to six lessons a day. You're trying to get every single child to achieve in every single lesson, as well as the interactions you have with them in between those lessons. Did you know that teachers in one day can have up to 90 interactions just in between lessons with all the children, as well as all the books they're marking, etc., etc. So, you know, that's a lot of opportunities to care and give of yourself but it's also a lot of opportunities to overdo it. And I definitely did that. You know, if you know my backstory, if you know, I just care too much, you know. I was always putting myself down to, you know, and not looking after myself, thinking, oh, I've got to spend all the time looking after children. I was a lot younger and I didn't understand. I don't want you to make the mistakes I made. So I understand that from a teaching point of view. When I've done voluntary work, 
in Lords in the south of France or when I've done charity events, they can be even harder as well because you're working hard for a good cause that might be a hospice or it might be a fundraiser or it might be to help somebody who's physically, mentally disabled or something like that. So I know these people and I've been one of them where you you whip yourself even harder because you've got to work hard and it's even you know more important for a good cause. So oh, I'm a bit tired. Oh, nobody cares about that. We've got to get this done. Now, again, it can be great to work hard for good causes, absolutely. But again, compassion fatigue can, can set in. You care so much so that you reach that point where you're just like, man, I've just worked too hard, too long for this cause, you know? In business, it's very easy to do the same. You care about your products, your services, your clients, so you want it to be 100% all the time. And same for your family. You love your family, don't you? I love my family. So you want to give the best all the time. If we're constantly giving all of ourselves all the time, there's not going to be much left, is there? You know, it's quite it's quite sad if you think about it in those ways. But we choose not to be sad today. We choose to look at it in a positive way. There's nothing wrong with caring. And it's actually a really admirable thing that you want to care so much that you actually put yourself second and put others first. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing at all. What we're going to look at today to hopefully help you is how to be able to do that over a longer period of time in a way that doesn't, you know, destroy you, <laughs> or at the very least, you know, have you really suffer. Because I, I want to make the point now at the start and at the end of this podcast that the first person who's worth suffering for is you, meaning you're worth suffering for, you're worth hanging in there with yourself for and looking after yourself and having bad times, but don't give up on yourself. You're worth that suffering. It's not meaningless. The first person who's worth suffering for is yourself. Just <laughs> let that sink in. Okay, so th- you know, this material is going to work if you're in a leadership role, if you're a manager, you know, if you're at the head of a family, or in work or personal relationships. Hopefully there's going to be something you can take from all of you know, these metaphors and, and these action items to, to help you to give of yourself, you know, without it being too much. So let's start with a way of understanding what is too much and what is too little and what is not enough. Well, I've mentioned this book before in the works of Lao Tzu, Lao Tzu, the Tao Te Ching. It's absolutely brilliant. Chinese work of incredible magnificence, literary work. Just just read the Tao Te Ching and let even two pages of it sink in. It will change your life. And that's where I got this metaphor from. And again, this metaphor has kind of seeped into our culture. You might have heard this used in maybe one way, but maybe not the other one. So when you think about a mug or a cup, right? The first phrase you might be more familiar with is you can't pour from an empty cup. <laughs> All right? You got no tea or coffee in your cup. You can't give it to somebody else, can you? Share it with them. Or no water. If there's no water in your cup, you can't share it with a a man who's dying of thirst, you know? So what that's trying to suggest is you can't give of what you haven't got. So that's the first way we're going to look about that, is we're going to look at how can you make sure that you've got resources and, you know, emotional resilience and things in the tank (laughs) to be able to share. But the second way of looking at the mug, and this is what I got from the towel, is it's the empty space inside the mug that has the value. If your mug is solid all the way through, you can't put any liquid into that. So if we don't have space in our lives for emptiness and, and gaps, then we, we and it's just filled full of stuff. That's that's too much. You know, we can fill up tea in our in our mug, but if we have too much tea, it's gonna overflow. And if we have a solid mug all the way through, that's no good. So the value in a mug is the empty space, but also another thing you think of is is the shape of the mug, it has boundaries, it has form, right? You know when a mug's a mug, you can see it. A mug 
It's not a car, right? They look different, don't they? So for us, we have to have boundaries as well. So as well as giving, we have to have something to give. As well as having empty space, we also have to have some form, and some shape to what we do. So it's a deep one to start thinking about it. So let's get into part one. How do you actually fill your cup? You know, because it might be a little bit low. You might be in the dregs at the moment. Well, prioritize rest, recovery, and relaxation. If you go back to a previous podcast I did, rest and recovery and relaxation, all three are essential. They're all totally different, but all three are essential. And it's usually relaxation is the one that's seen as, you know, the optional extra, I'm too busy to relax. Actually, that's the one that's one of the most important ones because that improves your vitality and energy that you can then bring to give to other people. So make sure you check out that podcast because I go into quite a lot of depth with that. But rest, recovery and relaxation is very important. Another one's having fun, right? If you're having fun and smiling and having a good time, you're going to remember how that feels and then therefore you can do that with other people. But it's mainly this one is for yourself. This is filling your own cup. Forget other people for now. Be a little bit what's called proper selfish, you know, for a second. Filling your own cup, right? Creative things, doing things where you create things, art, music, writing. Just get a piece of paper and a pen and scribble and see what happens for 10 minutes. Engaging in creative things is one of the best ways to fill your, fill your cup because they are not essential. And so it engages a part of you that's often dormant and forgotten about. And I've started tapping into this again recently, making more art, and it just nourishes me, me in a way that I can't get from anything else. You know, just try it. You don't have to be good. You don't have to perform. You don't even have to make anything looks or sounds amazing. Just the process of it will re-energize you. And a change of environment. I said this before, going to a different room, leaving the house, leaving the building, right? Walking down the street five minutes. Look around. Try and find something new, brand new, especially from a place where you already live. And that newness, that change of environment can just fill you up just a little bit. I think, oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, that's, has that always been like that? Having some time on your own as well. Time on your own, being with yourself, even just five, ten minutes. Or time with others. Whichever one is going to work best for you. I've mentioned before Susan Cain, brilliant book called Quiet by Susan Cain, The Power of Introverts. And she makes the point, and it's definitely true, I agree with this, that introverts, if you're an introvert, you might love people, but you need time away from them to rest and recover. That's me. <laughs> or you might be sat there going, mm, no, I love being around people, and when I'm around people, I get energy from them. Well, that's an extrovert. An ambivert's a bit of both. So making sure what, knowing what works for you. You know, it's like if you want to um, go one way, you need to set off in one direction. If you want to go to a different place, you go in a different direction. If you're an introvert, don't think it's going to fill up your cup by spending all time with people. You need time away from them, and vice versa, all right? And that's your responsibility to yourself. Nobody's going to fill up your own cup. Nobody's going to do it for you, you know? But that's good because you're worth looking after. You're worth suffering for. You're worth taking the time to fill yourself. Because if, if you don't, you might think, well, that sounds like a lot of effort. If you don't, you're then going to be giving from limited resources. We've already seen what happens with that. If you give from plentiful resources, guess what? Plentiful resources remain. <laughs> if you just doubt that, think about the internet. There's no limit to it, is there? It's not running out anytime soon. If we take the time to fill our cup, it's like a magic cup. It can start to refill itself sometimes. <laughs> it can gain momentum. And that's a really nice way of thinking about this. Some of these things, depends on what tea you've got in your mug, right? You know, you might be on 5%. It's going to take a lot of effort. Once you get a sense of momentum, you're like, ooh, dropping a little bit, just top it up a little bit. It doesn't take as much effort. 
that's the first aspect is filling your own cups, your responsibility. But look at the word response able. You are able to respond and able to do something. We don't expect other people to fill our mug. They can't. They try and they help us, but they can't do it for us and nor should they. So the second aspect of the mug to help us, you know, as a metaphor for understanding how to give of ourselves up, taking too much, is the empty space and the form. And we said that the empty space inside you is essential, but so is your form, your physical, mental form, who you are, how you look, how you dress, how you act, your reputation, all that kind of stuff. So the first aspect that can help you to create a bit of space, right, like, need some breathing room, <laughs> is remove stimulation. This is something that's really um, helped me in the last kind of six months. We're overly stimulated mentally, physically, digital devices, environmental situations, all sorts going on. If you can do one thing at once or remove stimulation, you're able to process and actually just breathe a lot better. So for example, if you read, right, say you read in bed at night, reading in bed at night without music, without other things, just doing one thing at once. Just go about your day today and, and see at what point have you got five different things on the go, five different stimuluses. We're all massively overstimulated. Body, body and mind can't keep up. It's like you've got 25 tabs open in your brain and you don't need 25 tabs, you need three, you know? So be aware that you are potentially massively overstimulated, positively or negatively. If you're in business, you'll know this one. In the evening, your mind's in a, in a high cognitive function. You've got to bring yourself down. You're overly stimulated. It's very rare. I know a lot of my clients can just stop at 11 p.m. and then go straight to bed and sleep really well. They've got to bring themselves down. You know, They've got to try and remove some of the stimulation and allow the, the body and mind time to kind of calm down. So that's the first thing, removing stimulus. What are the things that's stimulating? Remove them. You know. The second one we're going to talk about, yeah, actually in part three, but it's setting healthy boundaries with people. Healthy boundaries. Do they know what's expected and what's what they can expect from you or not. Because what I've learned, the more and more people I work with is, and I definitely do this, I'm working on this one, we all make assumptions. We assume that people know what we mean. We assume that we're not allowed to be disturbed at this time. We assume this, we assume we assume that they know how much we're working on something and how important this is. They don't, most people don't, right? We need, they need to be told, you know? They say, well, how do you, how do you tell someone? Tell them, tell them again, tell them what you told them. Until they know it and can tell it you back, they don't know it enough, right? So setting those boundaries. Do you know what healthy boundaries look like for your workspace, for your home space? Now is a really good time to do this. Expectations from clients, especially in the last two years, have gone through the roof. Some people expect things straight away, whereas two years ago they might not have done, you know? So now's a really good time for you to think, right, what's a healthy boundary for me at work, at home? What can my clients expect from us? Do we have to, you know, clarify these these boundaries? We have to kind of have a, a difficult conversation and say, well, actually, this is not possible for these reasons. Setting those boundaries. What's the line in the sand that once that's crossed, you think, no, I'm not having that. Or you think boundaries that you shouldn't cross for other people. Boundaries are very powerful. Boundaries are the form of the mug, right? They're the, the, they're the bit that makes it so that when you poke the mug, right, your finger doesn't go through the mug, to get a bit deep. You have to have that boundary, otherwise all the water would spill out. Set some boundaries. You'll feel good. You'll feel very empowered, actually. It's very, very powerful. Meditation. <laughs> meditation. Just listen to podcasts in a meditation. I won't say too much on it. It is, in my opinion, the number one way to empty your mind and of yourself. It's just brilliant. It's like putting a plug in a bath and all the water just disappears. It's not a magic fix, right? It's a practice. It's a process to dedicate yourself to. And it just it's just wonderful. So give it a try. Time away from things, like I said before, away from stimulus but time away from things 
it was one of the best ways to allow that space to refill itself and it's so strange how this works you know say changes goes arrest that's exactly what that means time away from whatever that thing is that's causing you you know difficulty if you're a religious person or a spiritual person some aspect of prayer if you follow religion um, or whatever that means to you reaching out beyond yourself or even just being in, connected to that the wonderful world that we have you know if you're an atheist understanding just how amazing it is this life right now here and now you know but that aspect that's there's something more to life than just you tap into that a little bit you know or just go google some of the figures and the odds of you actually being alive is very very powerful and the final one is a bit something a bit fun just a little bit different just go do something be a total beginner and it'll teach you to be humble engage in something just for a bit of fun for 10 minutes go learn how to draw something on youtube or something it reminds us that we've got more to give because we can always return to the present moment and be a beginner again and again and again and again so often compassion fatigue and feeling we've given too much is because we we don't understand just how deep our resources are and we give and we go over the line being a beginner being humble brings us back to that present moment and helps us to tap into that unlimited possibility within ourselves it's pretty powerful if you doubt me just go <laughs> and uh, talk to anybody who has a five-year-old there's no limits to those five-year-olds are there <laughs> okay so hopefully that's helpful in helping you to understand ways of filling your own cup and looking after yourself and it's your responsibility but also how to empty yourself of kind of you know clutter but also keep the form you know something a bit deep but i like to give you some different things you know so these are this part, the third part now, five actions you can take, physical things you can do today for free, you know, um, to give of yourself, but appropriately. So first one is training people up. Oh, I love uh, training leaders, managing this one. If people bring you problems, ask them, you know, you have to tell them to start with, uh, to bring you solutions. So for example, the difference between going, uh, Mohammed, we've got this problem. And that's what they say to you, is it, you know, they expect you to solve it or, Mohammed, we've got this problem, uh, and these are two solutions I've come up with. Which one do you prefer? Which one's better? And then you can have some real value and, and tell them and help them guide them. So train your people. Tell them, say, don't bring me, don't say to them, don't bring me a uh, problem, bring me solutions. That's horrible. But just say, if you have problems, bring me some solutions. I'll help you pick the best one. You're empowering the person to find their own solution. They just need you for a bit of guidance rather than it's got to be you that solves it. That can save you so much time and mental and emotional effort. The second one is don't always be available. Being available in the right moments is, is actually a really, really key one for setting boundaries and protecting your time. Have specific times and places and hours that you are available where you can add value. A really good way of doing this is to say what times you're available on your emails. And if you're working between time zones, different countries, having those and those conversion rates at the bottom. Brilliant friend of mine, Steve Watson, written a book called Time Limited. It's all about that kind of stuff, how you manage your time. He always says make time to manage your time. It's brilliant don't always be available people knowing that you're there for them generally is not the same as them knowing that you are there for them 24 7 you know what i mean by that if somebody knows that you're there for them but there are certain times when they can actually interact with you that's better than them expecting you to be there for them all the time okay we're not trying to do that we're not trying to hurt you third one is what I call book ending. I don't know if I made this up, but I was definitely inspired by John C. Maxwell. Make sure to check out any of the work on leadership by John C. Maxwell, especially as a book called Mentoring 101. It's only a small little book. It's full of little things like this. And basically it's saying, if you've got a process or a project or something, don't hold somebody's hand all the way through. Get involved at the start and the end, like a book end, you know, like the cover of a book. Give them some value at the start, help them out. 
and then come in again just towards the end to finish it off. If they're really struggling, if they're new, or if they're apprentice or they're younger, you can get involved in the middle. So it might be you can get involved on Monday, Wednesday and Friday, but not all five days, you know. So bookending it is a really good way, adding value at the middle and at the end, maybe the start as well. You choose, depends on your situation, but not involved the whole time. The fourth one is very important, and I think I'm going to be doing some more content on this in the future. It's about having conversations around the emotional impact of what's going on with people. So make sure to read or check out anything by Parker J. Palmer, incredible man who's incredibly honest about how he talks about emotions. And saying things like, well, you know, if, if you're doing something difficult, especially at work, saying, right, I feel like this because of this for these reasons. You're not asking anybody to solve things. You're just making it very clear. Again, back to people don't, you know, assumptions. They don't know what's going on unless we tell them. Making it very clear the emotional impact that what you're dealing with is having on you. And you're not opening up and telling secrets or anything like that. You're just saying there's an emotional weight here and this is how I'm feeling or this is how it's adding up. I think if I'd been more like that, maybe earlier on in teaching, I would have dealt with, you know, teaching a bit better maybe or have dealt some situations, which I've said in previous podcasts, better. But it's hindsight, isn't it, you know? Um, so I feel this way for these reasons and articulating that to people, let them know the emotional impact that what they're saying or doing is having where appropriate. You don't say it's all your clients, right? But it might be to your partner. It might be to someone you work with. Yeah. I was speaking to somebody only yesterday and they, what we were talking about was the emotional weight and the client didn't have a, a clue. And and they, the person couldn't talk to that particular client about it, but he could talk to somebody else about it. And then in that case, they talked to me making sure you talk to somebody about the emotional weight of things, yeah? It really helps you to feel empowered. And a final thing, I love this, little phrase I came up with, commit to complete, right? Commit to completing stuff. The goal is not to kill yourself for the cause. It's really not. Like we said before, you're worth suffering for, and hopefully you know who's worth suffering for, but the goal is not to suffer, is it? Suffering will be involved, but the goal is to get stuff done, to make the impact, to do the things, and it doesn't have to be you. Committing to complete does not mean commit to completed by me, right? Here's a really nice leadership example that from my dad. You want to be like the abominable snowman. The abominable snowman, it's a mythical creature. Um, it's like the yeti or you know, it's this big creature that lives in the snow. And the idea with the abominable snowman is his footprints are everywhere, but he's nowhere to be seen. You'll never see him, but the footprints of how he does things is everywhere. And that's what I'd say the best leaders do in companies and in families. Their way of doing things is everywhere, but you don't see him all the time. Try being like that with, you know, let's all surrender our egos for a minute and say, does it have to be me? Could somebody else do it better? Is it actually better to, um, you know, get the thing done? And for families, that's something where when I talk with families and parents and people, you know, a way to do that is with the children, right? You might think, I need to be with my children all the time. I need to make it so that they have a good life and, and they're happy all the time. Well, again, when I speak to my own parents and I reflect on myself and parents that I've worked with and people... It's more, they, they say, well, if they kind of help and train their children to be strong, then they can handle anything, as opposed to trying to give them a weak life that doesn't have bad things in, that they're not going to be able to handle, you know? So that's a nice way of thinking about that. The, the goal, commit to complete there is, my child can handle the world, job done, as opposed to, my child needs to have an easy life. Don't think that's going to happen, is it? You know, something to think about. So... Hopefully that's been helpful for you in understanding the big part of it is you're worth suffering for. You're worth hanging in there for. You've got to look after yourself, you know, and you've got some ways that you can do it and ways that you can help manage people's expectations and set boundaries so that you don't have to kill yourself for the cause. You know, it's really not that that's not the goal. 
the final thing I say is you've got to be disciplined with this stuff because you might think, sounds like a lot of work, Mike. Yeah, but remember, we can, you can get a good sense of good positive momentum with this. The thing is, if we don't do these things, you know, if we don't look after ourselves, if we don't hang back, so we give you know, 90% rather than 100% every time, other people can expect us to do it and they're going to try and set our own agendas. And I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody telling me what to do every single day, you know? And I don't think we want that, do we? We don't want people setting their agendas when they might not understand us as well as we understand ourselves. So make sure to fill your own mug, your own teapot. Make sure to have some time for empty space, you know, just be aware of your form. Check out those books, recommendations, and, you know, just pick one of these things. Just one of these things to help you to embrace that disciplined, response-able responsibility to look after yourself, you know, because you are worth suffering for. You are worth looking after, all right? Just take one thing, and even if you don't, just as you are right now, somebody somewhere loves you very, very much. Okay. Take care, and speak soon. Now, this episode's random positive fact is an illustration of somebody who's figured out a way to give of themselves without overdoing it. So when the leader of Pip Lantry, a small village in Rajasthan in India, lost his 16-year-old daughter in 2006, he decided to turn his grief into something beautiful. So now every time that a baby girl is born into the village, um, they plant a tree. And as of 2018, so that was four years ago, 350,000 trees have been planted. So I'm guessing just how many trees we planted, you know, right now. So I think that's a fantastic example of something, someone who's managed to give of themselves in a way that helps other people without overdoing it himself. 350,000 trees planted. Amazing. <laughs>